All right, so this is going to be the last of the interviews that we had done at the G3 conference, and we got a great one for you. First, we're going to start off with a good friend, Kofi. We're going to talk about discipleship. This is very valuable, very helpful for many people who are going to be listening, because this is going to be telling us as Christians, what is our mission? After that, we have Fred Butler on from Grace to You. We are going to get into discussing some of the beginnings. 50 years ago, John MacArthur started preaching at Grace Community Church, and we're going to talk about that and how the ministry has grown and some things about the ministry. It'll be an insightful episode for you to be able to enjoy. Please go and share this with others. So let us start after this. Welcome to The Rap Report with Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is a ministry of striving for eternity in the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. All right, all right, all right, all right. So this is first up, we have Kofi, and this is a great brother from the UK, got to know him very thoughtful individual, someone who really, you're going to see that he is a deep thinker. And before we get to that interview, I just want to give a quick shout out to the many who are listening and following us. Uh, We could not be here if it wasn't for you. You really are the reason that we do these podcasts to try to help and teach and disciple through this medium. And so we ask, the best thing you could do, if you're getting some value from this, please share this with others. The more that you share it, the more people find out about it. I know people say, write us a review. Yeah, the, the reviews don't actually help your ratings at all in iTunes as far as we know. It's really more if people are sharing it, if people are subscribing it too. So if someone shared this with you, maybe you could subscribe to the Rap Report and share it with others. That would be a great help to us. We hope that you get something out of it. Another thing you could do if you're finding value in this is you can help keep this going by supporting us. And you can go to strivingforeternity.org slash donate. And from there, you'd be able to get a basically the, the links to how to uh, support us, and we appreciate that. And so those are some things you could do. I'll, later on, I'll read some reviews and things like that, but let's start off with the interview with Kofi. Okay, so here we are with uh, G3 with a friend, um, personal friend that I've known for a number of years, yeah. actually. Um, and if you hear his voice, we may need translation. Um, just going forward so you understand, <clears throat> we're not sure what language they speak over there in England. Um, not sure, but if you need translation, we could do it. But Kofi, I'm not even going to try your last name, <laughs> so you're going to have to do that one. <laughs> so Kofi, introduce your, your, give your last name, your full name. Sure, no problem. So, yep, I am... Um Kofi and is my surname. It's Eduboahen. Yes, it is. It sounds nothing like how it's spelled, so don't feel bad if you can't pronounce it. Um, I couldn't pronounce it, so I was about fifteen myself. So um, you're in good company. <laughs> so, so yeah, you and I have gone way back. Although you, you're from England, from yep, the UK, from where, the UK, where they speak. Oh, you mean the beautiful English. language called English that we gave to our American friends and they broke it? Yeah, that language. 
Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I used to bust on uh, Paul Taylor. Mm-hmm. We were at a conference. We were busting on each other as we do, and uh, I kept asking everyone if they need translation. Mm-hmm. Every time he'd speak, we'll, we'll get to Q and A, and I asked, you know, in, in the East Coast we say water. Mm-hmm. In the West, in the Midwest, they call it water. Mm-hmm. So I basically was like, "Hey, Michael, can we get some water?" And he goes, "What?" So. Real quick, Paul goes, let me translate. He would like some water. <laughs> and everybody was cracking up. <laughs> he ended up saying that his son <coughs> his son was traveling somewhere uh-huh. and was asked, what language do they speak over there in the UK? And he just wow. looked and goes, English. It's where you got it from. <laughs> So you you uh, you came over to the states to get married. Yep. So you got you, you got stuck here. Well, or, or I don't married? like to refer to it as being <laughs> providentially moved here. Let's put it that way. Providentially moved here. So you're you're out. You're interning at a church. Yep. What's what's the church? So I am a ministry intern at Bear Creek Church in Medford, Oregon. So those of you who know the state of Oregon, we are right at the bottom of the state, about thirty miles from the borders of California. <laughs> Um, so we're an independent reform church in town, about 350 of us, and I've been there as an intern about a year and a half. All right. Now you're you've been um, you've been blogging for a long time. That's I think how I came in touch with you yep. initially. Yep. And uh, I think the first time we met was Shepherd's Conference. That's correct. Yep. I think yes, first time we met in person. Yeah. 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 But. Uh, so one of the things that you and I've been talking about is doing some future blogging with us. Yep. So we're we're looking forward to hopefully seeing that coming soon. Um, how how you been enjoying G three? Well, G three has been a great conference. This is my fourth year here, and you know I came for the first time in two thousand sixteen. <coughs> I'd heard of the conference. I'd watched it online previously, and then met Pastor Josh Bice in London. That's its own very fun story, and. So we came out, myself and a guy from my church in London at the time, and we just absolutely loved it. Just, it was great preaching, great fellowship, just being able to meet with so many different folks and connect with a number of ministries who had come out. Um, Not quite as many as are here now. It's (laughs) amazing how many are here now. But that was the beginning of, a, I think, a great relationship where I was like, okay, I think we're going to come back to this. And so we've just kept coming back and kept coming back. And I think what sets this conference out from so many is the reality that we all know why we're here this is a theology conference we are not here to just you know buy time and hear some sort of pep rally speeches if you will um yeah i've learned what pep rallies are by the way since i've been here that's an interesting concept um but no we're here to dig deep into god's word to sing rich music that reminds us of the gospel that reminds us of the central truths of our faith enjoy fellowship connect with ministries get resources and in a lot of ways the shepherds conference will always be my favorite conference but this is easily a close second for me now easily yeah i think i would i'd agree with that myself the you um you speaking of the uk Mm -hmm. i actually before we we may have met before we knew mm-hmm. who each other were when I was, I was actually out at your church yeah and you you reminded me of that when I was over at the uh, at the we did an outreach over at the Olympics yep and, 2012 um, yeah yeah so I guess we went and visited your church I remember we didn't know yeah. each other at that point but yeah <laughs> so 
So the with the the preacher and you know you already said it's a theology conference. The preachers that we have here mm-hmm. are some of the best of the best. Yep, absolutely. Um, it, it's I think the fellowship you end up having here is great. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of the things. When people, I think that when people think about conferences, there's some who come just for the preaching. Mm-hmm. There's some who avoid it because they say, "Well, I can get this online." Yep. And you can you can you can watch yep. it online. But it, I think the thing that people miss the most or miss out on the most is the fellowship that you oh, get. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, so you you come here. You've been here four times. Um, you know, describe the fellowship. What it is when you get to an event like this, um, just the camaraderie you can't get from watching sh- streaming. Absolutely. I guess the best way I can explain it is to explain my experience when I came for the first time back in 2016 and what it is now. So 2016, I came to the conference. In fact, we stayed with uh, Dr. Josh Bice, who is the you know visionary behind the conference, if you will. And so we stayed with him. And so we were here super early and left super late, which meant. We're, we were getting to meet people all the time and he's introducing us to members of his church who were serving us and you know, let me take a moment and just shout out the amazing volunteer team here at G3 they yes. look after you from the minute you walk into the minute you leave every single day um, they're a great team it's a reflection not just on the conference but on the fact that the local church out of which it comes has been well taught and they have a great foundation as to why they should be serving and so shout out to them but so we got here 2016 and immediately we're meeting people and they're just literally just folding you in it's like you become a member of the family now let's take care of you yeah and so that began to help and so you you know you're walking around various stalls and what have you and you're meeting people and you're making connections and then a funny thing happened the next year we came these people remembered who we were and so now I, ex- I experienced that myself yep. yeah. and so now there's a connection it's like hey how are you how's things been um, you know it's been a year since we last saw you so for example when I came in 2016 I had just gone into a relationship when I came in 2017 the relationship would be going for you and so you know, people ask me, yeah, how's things with you? Like, you met someone? <coughs> yeah. Um, I didn't really tell people I'd met someone when I first came. So the next year, people were like, yeah, I've actually met someone. Oh, really? Tell me about her. Well, I come back in 2018, and we've gotten married since then. So now I'm going around the same people, and they're telling me, no, they're asking me, so, Kofi, how's your wife? Like, you've been married. <laughs> you know, it's like, now a relationship is deepening. And so... And that's true for the vendors, that's true for the folks that you meet here. Um, and a lot of those connections also get fostered outside of the conference. So, you know, we're following each other on social, on social media and we're keeping contact pretty much all year long. And then G3 now becomes like a family reunion. It's like, okay, we've been talking online for ages and now, hey, I get to see you again. Yeah. Um, so that's what kind of happens as you keep it. And that's something you can't get from watching a live stream. That's right. That's you, you, you can't get that from just... Um, I mean, it's, I mean, the ministry is great. And, I mean, you, you're still going to be blessed by it even if you listen to it in your own home. But the added component of being together, that, like you said, camaraderie, you just yeah. can't beat that. Let's talk about a subject that is very dear to both of our hearts. I think it's the thing that we both, uh, really the focus of both our ministries, discipleship. Absolutely. Um, so you have a heart for discipleship. 
talk about discipleship and why it's so important for the Christian church. Oh, um, how long do we have? <laughs> okay, in, in two minutes. <laughs> okay, two, there we go. There we go. Hey, I, I preach. I, I start talking and off I go. Um, I think discipleship is important because that's how we pass on this, you know, the language that Paul uses is a sacred deposit. We pass on this sacred deposit to the next generation through discipleship. <clears throat> it's as we are faithfully, as it were, um, heralding the gospel, as we're faithfully teaching the next generation, as we're faithfully passing it on, that's how this sacred deposit moves on to the next generation. I think. I've often said that the term discipleship is very nebulous at times when you speak to people. I prefer to kind of substitute it with the term disciple making because that's much mm. more definite. That it's the process by which we are seeking to make disciples, learners, students. And it's not the kind of making students where it's just academic and we just want to fill their heads with that. Information is good, that's important. We need that foundation. But it's. <clears throat> Information for the purpose of godliness. Information for the purpose of transformation. And so that's why I'm passionate about it, because I've been a beneficiary of it. Um, I was 17 years old when I became really good friends with a... Actually, I was 16. Yeah, I was 16. When I became friends with a retired pastor. And for three years, up until I went off to college, he discipled me. I sat in his home... He would cook his meals, and we would study the Bible. We'd read books together. We'd pray together. I'd bounce off ideas. I was, you know, kind of getting my theology straight, and I had a thousand and one questions. And he was very patient. And, it, you know, it's time-consuming. It's resource-consuming. You know, but it's the idea of transfer, and that's what I kind of saw in my own life. And then, you know, he's like, okay, there's only so much I can do. You need to be part of a good, a good Bible-teaching <coughs> church. Yeah. So I joined one. And there was more discipleship that took place and more ministry opportunities that took place. And now the stuff that I was learning, I was able to now pass on to other people. And that's so that is so vital because not only does it confirm them in their faith, it confirms you in your faith as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think that I notice is what we end up seeing is true discipleship. Biblical discipleship is going to is going to mature you as much as the person you're discipling. Absolutely, because it is it as Christ said, teach them all things that I have taught you. Mm-hmm. It's it's reproducing yourself in another person. Mm-hmm. But when you start doing that, you start realizing how much you need to grow. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's, okay, I, I need to mature more. There, so I I've always said that everybody has to have two relationships, two discipling relationships. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> one of someone that's further along than them in some area where they're being discipled, mm-hmm. and one where they're discipling someone who's needs help in an area where they're they're mm-hmm. stronger. It's like my boss used to say back in London. Two questions: Who are you discipling, and who's discipling you? Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. I mean, because that's <clears throat> the reality is is some people think well. For me to disciple someone, I have to be more spiritual. No, you don't, because you, you just have to be better in one area that they are. Now, every Christian can disciple. Uh-huh. Every Christian. Because there's someone who doesn't know Christ. That's where you start. Uh-huh. And when they get saved, guess what? They're going to ask you lots of questions. 
you just start answering them. That's what this ship is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, that's how it, it begins. But I, I, I find a lot of people who start maturing in their relationship with Christ, and they stop looking for. They think like, okay, I've arrived. I, ha- I no longer need to uh-huh. have someone disciple me. Uh-huh. And I don't think at any point in ministry that's good. Even if you're, you know, John MacArthur, uh-huh. you need someone discipling you, keeping you, you know, training you in different areas. Uh-huh. You know, no, absolutely. Um, there's a sense in which, you know, as believers, we don't want to be stagnant pools. We want to be running streams. And if no one's pouring into you, if nobody is seeking to disciple you, if nobody's seeking to invest in you, you're becoming a stagnant pool. Because it's like, I'm receiving, but I'm not <clears throat> giving any of this out. I am not passing any of this out. I'm not transferring any of this. Yeah. And so there's a sense in which I agree, even the most spiritually mature, I still need to have and maintain those relationships where we are being poured into, where... I'll say this about some of the discipleship relationships I've had in my life. Some of them have been profoundly painful at times. Yeah. Not because they, they wronged me in some way, or it's just, it's just as they're pointing out areas of weakness in my life, it, it hurts. <laughs> like, um, I think it's Dr. Lawson who says, you know, iron sharpens iron, wood doesn't sharpen iron. <laughs> um, you know, it's going to hurt sometimes. Like, sparks will happen when you put two pieces of iron together. <laughs> but. Again, it's you look. You kind of go through that, and you realize actually, no, I needed that. That gave me perspective. It gave me an ability to see where I was weak, um, and that's invaluable. That is so so invaluable. Well, that is the maturing, sanctifying process that God established. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we could think of Titus two two, right? Mm-hmm. Where Paul says to Titus, you know. Or sorry, Second uh, Timothy two two, I should say, uh, where, where Paul says to Timothy, "I've trained you. Mm-hmm. You train faithful men, mm-hmm. so they could train others." Absolutely. And and that's the thing. It wasn't supposed. So, where like the Catholic Church will say there was this you know progression of from the disciples down, mm-hmm. right? The, the, there was, but not the way they see it. <laughs> You know, it was not this apostolic succession mm-hmm. of the apostles. It was an apostolic succession of the teaching and discipling. Absolutely. And this is a thing I think a lot of people miss is they think, "Why well, just go to church?" Mm-hmm. Do you think that Christians should attend church, just attending church, or do you believe that every Christian should be discipling making? Well, here's the thing. If, and I've heard people make that distinction. Well, I'm just somebody, I just attend church. Like, I'm just here, I need to be pulled into. I'm, that misses the point entirely. Ephesians 4. Why does God give to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Well, it says that he gives them for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And I've used the analogy often, good pastor teachers are supposed to be like coaches. They, they aren't just playing a they aren't the ones who play the game and we're watching. No, they're training us so that we can go out and play the game. They're training us so that in the you know, sphere that God puts us, we are able to pour into other people. And that's going to look different from person to person. For some, it may be the mother who's with her kids. Fathers and sons. It may be, okay, I've got two or three ladies in my life that I have an influence with and I'm pouring into them. 
it's I think it's a tragic thing when we think well I turn up for church I get poured into that's enough it's like no because the purpose of this body is as Paul says in the end of that little section in Ephesians 4 11 16 is that the body is supposed to grow itself well how does the body grow itself well it's one member of the body contributing to another member of the body and that's how the body grows I think one of the things that has caused the problem in the, the Christian culture is because unfortunately many pastors don't want to take the time to do discipleship biblically mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they say oh, I, I disciple from the pulpit mm-hmm. and then what, what does that convey that conveys that the, the people in the pews think oh I, I receive it from the mm-hmm. from the you know from the uh, mm-hmm. I'm just laughing because uh, the gentleman over here is bringing a coffee mm-hmm. hey, hey Scott yeah. Thank, hey, thanks, thanks for the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so he he. Uh, so when you go, have you ever been to Masters Academy? Yes. So oh, so maybe I can get a coffee out of you. So let's see. So when you go to the Ambassadors Academy, they give you a coin. Mm-hmm. That's the coin that fell earlier today. Ah. See, that's how I get my free coffees when I'm at conferences. Nice. And so. Uh, you know, there was a challenge coin that we had that if you mm-hmm. show the coin and the other person doesn't have it, you have to uh, buy them coffee. So, uh, you know, if you don't have a, your coin on your coffee. So, so that's what Scott was doing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Scott was my roommate uh, the, first, oh, awesome. the first time I was at the academy. And so I, I figured I'd have fun challenging him. Mm-hmm. So he actually honored it and got me a cup of coffee. Good which man. Good I'm man. At because I didn't have one this morning. <laughs> so, so... We were talking, the fact, I think, is that many pastors mm-hmm. try to say that they disciple from the pulpit, mm-hmm. and the people in the pews start thinking, well, that's how, what discipleship is. This mm-hmm. is how we mm-hmm. do it. And, and I think that's what has hurt discipleship, mm-hmm. why so many churches are hurting. Do you think if people did biblical discipleship mm-hmm. across America in churches, do you think there would be as much of an issue as we have with, like, Word of Faith and Joel Steen and people like that? Let me come back to something you just said, that language of what I disciple from the pulpit. So last year's G3 conference was about discipleship. And, um, oh. I just want to say thank you for being here. We're going to take a pause right now. Hold on one sec. Okay, so uh, sorry for that interruption. That oh, was so good. That was Josh Bice. When, when, when Josh Bice comes by to, to thank you for being oh, here. Oh, he's the head honcho. When he comes, we you, stop. You stop. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, right. and I knew we weren't going to get yeah. him on an interview with, he's running around crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, right, so this idea of I disciple from the pulpit. So last year's conference was on discipleship. And Dr. Vody Buckham spoke to that question. And he essentially said, um, actually, as a pastor, you can't just say, well, I disciple from the pulpit. Because that's not the apostolic model. The apostolic model was Paul spent time with Timothy. And that means you're going to have to reorder as a pastor, sometimes reorder how things go in your life so that you can invest time in that. Use the example, you know, you can't go visit everybody in the hospital. Or sometimes you might not be able to do all the counseling you'd like. Because this thing of training ministers, of training future leaders, who will in turn go and train other believers, that's going to have to take priority. Now, to that question of if discipleship were happening, would we be dealing with the word of faith, the NAR, and various other movements out there? Yeah, I, I think there is a relationship between the vacuum that exists 
when this apple isn't happening and the sort of influx of false teaching that follows because spiritually speaking there are never any vacuums if something good is not there what's the analogy Jesus uses in the parable when a demon's cast out from someone that um, you know he leaves you know he goes so he leaves basically you know, he comes back sees the place is clean and what have you and says oh I miss this place and he says well he goes and gets seven demons more terrible than <coughs> that general analogy of okay if you leave something empty spiritually it's going to get filled now is it going to be filled by the truth or is it going to be filled by error and I think what we've seen is in many churches even those that would not say they are themselves word of faith or any other have because they're not getting solid biblical teaching I've lost track of the amount of times I've gone to ostensibly conservative evangelical churches and I hear from the ladies in the church that they're listening to Joyce Meyer for instance and like well I don't see anything wrong she's really positive and encouraging because they're not being fed where they are and so they're you know it's kind of like I'm thirsty and then I'm going to start drinking out of my toilet bowl well there's an illustration <laughs> but here's the thing I think that those, you know like the, the Joel scenes and all that it, mm-hmm. they're, they're about just attending church they're yeah. just yeah. fill the pew get someone that just fe- to feel good and, and walk out but they don't know the feeling of biblical discipleship mm-hmm. and how good that is mm-hmm. um, I think that you know, you were saying with with Vody and, and the thing he said, it's it's interesting because I think part of the problem is the role of the pastor has changed from what the biblical model is. Mm-hmm. The role of the pastor used to be that he was among his people, mm-hmm. serving, mm-hmm. teaching, discipling. You look at a guy like like Calvin who would preach every day, but he'd also be among his people every day, mm-hmm. and and. In American churches now, it seems like it's 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 more about well, I got to build the the marketing and mm-hmm. the ministry. It's about building the ministry, mm-hmm. and and that's just a change. And I think discipleship has lost out. And I think that's I think that's the biggest reason that our the, the church is so weak. I, I agree. I agree. It's again, the body's supposed to build itself up in love, and if you are short circuiting the means that God has given for the body to build itself up in love, then weakness will follow weakness in multiple areas whether it's you know I don't think it's a bad accident we constantly keep seeing even in our reform circles you know ministers who um, disqualify themselves morally because okay you may think okay even if I have my theology as great as it should be we're still part of this culture that kind of views the pastor almost as a CEO marketing guy CFO visionary thought leader all of those things and doesn't have a category for, um, well, he is a pastor teacher. Pastor, he's a shepherd to the flock, and he's a teacher. He opens up God's word for the edification of the saints. Yeah, and that, and that's been a heartbeat for both you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, we both feel that discipleship is is crucial. Um, I, I'll say that we at Shredden Fraternity look forward to, to seeing your writings. Um, Thank you. As, as we work out together, I, it's a, a kinship we have mm-hmm. because we have a love for Christ, mm-hmm. a love for the Word of God, and a love for His people. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for um, having me. 
Look forward to seeing you at Shepherd's Conference. Oh, we'll be definitely there. Yeah, <laughs> we're definitely going to be there. <laughs> All right. Okay, so that was Kofi. And before we get to Fred Butler, a great, great interview with Fred Butler. And we're going to talk about those early years with John MacArthur. Going to talk about some of the conferences going on, just some of behind the scenes with Grace to You. Before we get to that, I want to invite you to a special conference. It is called Sanctification Through Suffering Conference. Nobody wants to go to a conference about suffering, and yet so many of us actually suffer. We do. We, we, there's people, even Christians, who struggle with anxiety, struggle with depression. Some people struggle with physical things. People struggle with a spouse or children. Maybe people who have a child that has physical needs. And it, there are many different ways that we as Christians struggle and Unfortunately, most of us struggle alone. We are too ashamed to let anyone know that we are struggling. Well, that's what this conference is about. Keynote speakers will be Justin Peters and Frank Mullis. There will be some breakout sessions for the guys and girls. will be with Joe Suazo. For the ladies only will be Colleen Sharp from Theology Gals. And so the thing is we want to help you or to help you help us others. The conference will be in Freehold, New Jersey. It's going to be held March 15th and 16th of 2019. And that can all the details and to register. Conference is going to cost about $40. If you can't afford it, there is a link to, to avoid the payment or to pay less, pay what you can. But we basically still have to fly the speakers out and pay them because, well, this is <laughs> how the guys like Justin make a living. But we're we're bringing these guys out so they can help you, experts in the field. And so we would like you to consider registering, telling friends, please share this online so that others will know. But all the details can be found at strivingforeternity.org, conference dash on dash suffering so that's striving for eternity dot org slash conference dash on dash suffering i will have the link to that in the show notes so that you can just link click on that and, and get it but please register for this conference this may be one of the most valuable conferences because so many of us don't have people that will pour into our lives this way. What we're probably going to do is end the conference a little bit early. The The plan, at least, will be to end it on, with a Q&A Saturday afternoon. And then after that, we're actually thinking about just opening up so that people can get more specific questions answered by some experts. And so it'll be a, a more of a we're still working through whether we want to do like a small groups or one-on-one, but opportunities to be able to, to get some help with things you may be struggling with, maybe some things you don't let anyone else know about. Now, we realize that for many, this is really hard for them to be able to afford it or to be able to get to it. So if you want to help us, you could go to our donate page at strivingforeternity.org slash donate, and you could donate money to help put on this conference, help others get to the conference. Um, we have some folks, I mean, Justin Peters, for folks who don't know, he has cerebral palsy. He's had to live with that his whole life. We have Pastor Frank Mullis. He is a uh, 
an expert in the area of counseling with sexual addiction, sexual uh, abuse. And so that comes up a lot. Pastor Joe Suazo is someone who is a missionary to India for 10 years and fought with depression and anxiety as he more so depression when he he had to come back from the field because of health issues. While he was there, he, he struggled with health and then came back and struggled with some, some depression. And Colleen Sharp is a mother who has had to deal with long-term struggles and, and ailments that can affect mothering, which will be very important for the ladies. So those are some of the things we're going to do. We're going to cover an understanding of, that God can use your, our suffering for our sanctification. I hope you'd check that out. Again, it's strivingforeternity.org slash conference dash on dash suffering. Check it out, register, and tell your friends. And after this interview, I will uh, give you guys some more information to read some reviews from folks. So here is Fred Butler from Grace to You. All right, so I'm sitting down here at G3 with the great Fred Butler. Oh, brother. <laughs> so, Fred, you're out here with Grace to You. We are. So what are you guys doing with your booth and stuff? What are you promoting this year? Well, it is our 50th anniversary with Grace to You, and uh, 2019 marks the 50th year that John began pastoring at Grace Community Church. So 1969, February, I don't remember the exact date. I want to say February 9th, maybe. I can't remember. He began to pastor Grace Church. I think I was like a baby. Yeah, was like, I, I was like two months old. I was, I was like, I think I, I calculated once when he started Grace, or started uh, Grace Community Church. I think I was like nine or ten months old. Yes. I, I was selling diapers. It's <laughs> just crazy to think Yeah, about. I know it is. And the... the America hadn't even landed on the moon yet. I mean, so oh, that's wow. uh, how it would have been that July that that happened. And so we mark our anniversary, Grace to Use anniversary, with him preaching. Because okay. somebody had the forethought to record his first message in the pulpit, which we still have. I think they're even offering that as a free offer this month for Grace to Use. So if you're on our mailing list, you get a response card to get that. Um, no, was, think, was that his the the famous uh, message where he went through Romans seven, the real law? <laughs> no, 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 that that one. was. I think that <laughs> happened in December. If I remember correctly, he came in either November, or December. This church was looking for a pastor, looking for a young guy because the previous pastor had been there for like two years. He was an older gentleman, and he died of a heart attack. And so they were looking for someone who would be uh, prepared to be there on the long haul. So they weren't wanting a young guy. John was, I think, 29 or something at the time. And so he came to that church. Uh, there were a number of folks who knew of his dad who was in Burbank. If you're familiar with Grace Church, you're in San Fernando Valley. But at that time, uh, San Fernando Valley was nothing but orange groves and agriculture stuff. So this church that was kind of out there in this field, you know, down this, <laughs> down this two-lane road. And John came and uh, they invited him. Hey, would you be interested in doing this? John was working for Talbot, I think, kind of going around, doing what they did at conferences where he'd promote, go preach and promote the seminary. And John wanted something more permanent and wanted a pastor preach on a regular basis. And uh, 
So he took the opportunity and went over there on a Sunday and preached his, yes, his infamous <laughs> hour and a half long sermon on Romans 6 and 7 or something, be- 5 and 6 or whatever it was. And uh, he, uh, and they liked him so much uh, that they said, hey, come back, but, you know, just make it shorter. <laughs> and so his uh, first day was, I think, in February of 1969. Now, Grace to You, I don't think, came on the official scene as a radio broadcast on a daily basis until like the late 70s, like 1978. But um, it certainly uh, started recording all of his stuff in 69. So that's where we kind of mark our anniversary as well. And uh, his... Uh, whereas we have a lot of activities planned this year, obviously there's going to be the whole thing with uh, the Shepherds Conference uh, happening in... Uh, March, first week of March, and talking about you know faithfulness and standing firm and all that. I don't even remember the name of the faithfulness, faithfulness or something like that. And then there's the whole thing with um, regards to uh, October, where Gracie will have our Truth Matters conference. It's going to be on the sufficiency of Scripture. Uh, some people have been calling it the the Strange Fire too. I don't know if it's going to be so much that as it is because it's just talking about faithfulness to Scripture, its sufficiency, uh, how it is timeless. We're living in a day and age when that is absolutely challenged. You know, the Scriptures can't address, you know, homosexuality or any of the cultural ills that we're struggling with. We have to find other clever means to reach people. Uh, but that's not the case. We believe Scripture is timeless, that it does not change. You, you can be, you know, the vice president's wife teaching at a school. She's not teaching something novel or uh, separate from Christianity. This is, has been historic Christian belief with regards to sexuality, and we believe it's unalterable. It's from the mind of God. And so we're going to emphasize that. We're going to have folks coming in to proclaim sermons and and uh, just the Word of God centered around that Well, John's thing. been kind of fighting that battle, the inerrancy, pretty much all of his... All of his life, yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was invited early on with uh, James Boyce to, to do the, the statement on inerrancy. Yes, he and, was. Uh, so he's kind of fought that one battle his entire career I know and I think his do you I think I remember hearing him say something like you know I you would think you would be battling people who are enemies of the church you didn't think you was going to be battling people within the church yeah and that seems like that's the major struggle I think all Christians have is bad teaching in the church uh, people who have uh just catastrophic ideas that lead people in all kinds of snares and theological error that is uh, just ensnaring and I mean it just messes up their lives and goes from the charismatic stuff to the higher criticism stuff that doubts the Bible and the historicity of scripture and John's been a rock in all that which I've appreciated yeah that's I think one of the things you end up seeing I mean 50 years and he's been consistent hasn't been flip-flopping all around and changing his views. Yeah, I know. It's not like I've come to a mature understanding of justification and here's my weird <laughs> take on it and it's, you know, N.T. Wright light or something. 
Yeah, that, that's true. He's not. Um, he hasn't changed his views on creation. He hasn't changed his views on the historicity of the Old Testament. Uh, he hasn't uh, changed his views on the, you know, the life of Christ, or you have to find the historical Jesus, or yeah, whatever the, it is. I think the only thing I could think of that, and he wrote on this, uh, he changed his view on the eternal sunshine. Yes, and, and it's and like, to okay, me, that's, that's, that's not a big deal. That's not a big uh, deal, know, but, and he became <clears throat> more orthodox. That's what yeah. <laughs> people tend to forget. They think that he, you know, he tightened up his understanding of the trinitarian work on the cross yeah and even then you know (laughs) it was just it was just him talking about his his semantics and how you understand the titles he wasn't denying the deity of christ which some people try to time to yeah Uh, i think one of the best messages you can listen to it's not even a message but it's a q a that john did before the ifca the independent fundamental churches of america and they had brought all these charges about him denying the, the blood, blood of Christ, ah. denying the sonship of Jesus. Um, I can't remember. There were several topics and they I, hammered I him with. That started with a guy. I forget the guy's name, but this was the the early introduction to discernment ministries with that yes. guy that had the discernment notebook. And he used to. I, I actually still have the notebook. Okay. And he would send you a new thing like every every month or every week to add to the notebook. And to add to the notebook, and it's just you know. After a while, I ended up realizing like, how do you keep coming up with all this stuff on all these people? Every like, every month you're getting a new insert to your notebook, and I started to realize that that was the incident that got me to realize because I went back and listened to the sermon mm-hmm. and went, um, like, listen in context. And John's not saying what you're claiming. Yeah, no. And it's it, it was it boggled my mind that one guy makes a statement, puts it into his notebook, and now everyone's and it's still even all these years later. Like that oh, was yeah. what, like thirty years ago. Yes, people still and people still bring up that he denies the blood and it's like just because some guy wrote came up with this yes. idea and it's like oh i needed something to put in the notebook for this month you know and that, I mean, that's some folks at bob jones that didn't like him for some reason they circulated that rumor and 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 you know and i remember when i was coming out to california and i was in arkansas and i was like in my last year as a senior in college working in the cafeteria as my part-time job to kind of help pay the bills um washing dishes with this fundamentalist guy and we were starting to talk about what we were going to do and I was talking about coming to seminary and all that and he said John MacArthur well he denies the blood I can, you got to deny the blood with this guy and so I started to talk with him about that and just the there was a lot of ignorance about what John was even meaning and just the people who were trying to go after him and uh, I don't know if I convinced him or compelled him to change his views, but I just told him, I said, you know, this is ridiculous what you're claiming. I mean, this is what he means by that. And and even John, when he printed the Hebrew commentary, and he, I mean, he tried his best to be as clear and precise with what he's meaning so that you wouldn't have these, just to kind of answer those critics. Yeah. But he's always been like that. He's had to deal with these you know kind of wonky views that <laughs> well I think I think what is like, you know the latest one I was hearing from someone is oh he, he they were making a big deal about him so saying that he that people could after the after the rapture take the mark of the beast and, be, and it's like I still haven't found out what sermon that's from so I can listen it was to a Q&A it was okay. a Q&A yeah, someone asked him me. about that 
and he's and uh, John, if I remember, and this is like thirty years ago. Someone asked me about that. Oh, so this that. isn't a recent. No, this is like I, thirty years ago, and he said. He said, well, if somebody was to take the mark of the beast, and this is assuming that the mark is a physical Correct. tattoo or some kind of, you know, insert into your head or I don't know. And so he said, if someone took the mark, could they repent, you know, realize that they were, you know, stupid for doing this and, and change their life? And John said, well, of course. I mean, salvation doesn't, you know, prevent you from doing that. And, uh, or, you know, the... Your sin doesn't prevent you, God, from saving you. For and it's just the whole thing with the mark of the beast, and you know some of the finality uh, passages that talk about when you take the mark of the beast and cast in a lake of fire, kind of thing. Is people obviously you are who are lost, who have you know they didn't repent <laughs> at all. I mean, the mark is just sort of an indicator that these individuals did not, you know, get right with God. It's not telling you that once you take the mark, it's you're doomed, you're sealed, and going right to hell in a big shoot or something, and you know goodbye. And you know it's not like that. It's in John. And I remember when this became an issue. It was some YouTuber guy that I think brought this up, and his uh, we saw John like the next weekend or the next Monday or something after this was going on, and going into his office and asking him about it, and he said. John, you know, do you still believe this? He's like, well, why couldn't God save somebody if they took a mark and didn't know what they were doing? I mean, God saves us all the time <laughs> from stupid decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were like, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, we don't want to, you know, it, 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 it was an amazing, well, I see, appreciated his comment, how he. You know, when you're answering a Q&A, that's different than when you're working on a sermon. Yes. And preaching through so, I try to look at his commentary. I don't remember that being addressed in his commentary yeah. well you know one of the things that you see with it is I think a lot of times these people come you know like with this guy with the discernment notebook he comes with you know he needs to put something out right right so when you gotta keep putting something out you get sloppy yes and, you know and I think it, as I ended up noticing this guy starts making stuff up and then you get people who just want to believe it. It doesn't matter. Look, this re, listen to the context. This is what John's right, saying in right, context. Right. Some people just don't care. Right. They would rather believe the lie than accept what he really means by it because they they just don't like him. They don't want him to say something right. And yeah, they, they want. want they're trying to, to find. Use. They're looking for some kind of scandal or something yeah. to take down his ministry. And it's really that's kind of a bad attitude. I don't. I've never understood why. People have that mindset. Even to this day, there's individuals who are um, they trying to find dig up dirt on John. They're always trying to find some obscure thing he's either said or some decision he made at the college or whatever it is. And oh yeah, yeah. Try there's some kind of scandal here that's being was, covered up. No, no one's if it was unbelievers doing that, I can understand. Yeah, it's when it's people who complain claim to. Usually yeah. it is unbelievers who are doing it. Well, yeah, but I know what yeah, you that, mean. Yeah, but it's a, it's people that claim to be Christians that are doing yeah. it the most, and that's the thing that's so frustrating. Right. You know, is it they profess Christ, but you're right. Like, you know, I have to. I, I forget the guy's name who did the discernment notebook, but. You got to start to wonder after a while. What are you doing this for? Your, yeah, your, your, your own claim to fame, or are you doing this, you know, really because you're trying to discern? I, and this, that's why I love like a guy like you know, Todd Friel or, right, or right. Justin Peters. There you see guys that I mean, one of the things that always amazes me with a guy like Todd Friel is he does discernment, 
but it's like there's this line. And he'll always say, "Well, this is what we know." Like with with if it's dealing with a someone that's professing justice. a Christian, yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's social like, justice stuff. I think is a good example yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. He goes, "Okay, this is what we know. This is what they said. Could they be doing this?" Well, we don't know that. And he'll always do that. He'll, he, it's like we he knows where there's a line. Questions, yeah. you know. He knows where there's a line. It's like, okay, we won't go over that. And sometimes he'll be like, well, we're not going to name the person because we haven't confirmed whether this account is is really right. Right, right, you know? right. And and just here's here's the things we can learn from this, but we're not going to name the person because he. It's like he doesn't want to, you know, damage the reputation if it's not true. Right. It's like he he always knows where that line is never goes over right right you know and I think that's an important thing for folks to especially for like I never think it's good to just do discernment or just do any one you know I think people get out balanced if it's just you know the same thing even like you know you take any ministry whether it's like Living Waters that just does evangelism right right there's a lot of people that that because they just do evangelism, they don't get into any of the other theological issues. Well, people have problems with it, right? right. And, and people would do the same thing with Ray Comfort. They hear the way he he ends up preaching on the street right, to right. an unbeliever, and they're like, "Oh, he's he's Arminian. He believes in work salvation." And it's like that. You well, know, he doesn't he hasn't really he made any kind of comment about that, so that's kind of ridiculous to claim. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, so. but, but it's like people want to look for things, and it's like he doesn't focus on that now. In, in their case, I think they've they've been good in not just not addressing it. But you see, the ministries where everything goes right. through that that tunnel right, of right, right. okay, this is like the only thing you should be doing. And when you get in some like with the discernment notebook guy, it, it would have been good. Oh, I'll give you another example. Chris Chris State. Right, right. right? That's a good. That's another good example. It's, too. it's a real good example. And I've told Chris, here's you know he's focused on one thing, but once I think he made a name for himself in that. In that realm, the realm, yes. Then all of a sudden, it's like he, he he used to do like other other podcasts with other topics, but once he did the rethinking hell, it was like everything is about rethinking hell. Everything's about that. Uh, another good example would be uh, Leighton Flowers. Yes, it's everything know? is everything is Calvinism. Everything's well, everything's anti-Calvinism. Yeah, right, right, that's what I was going to say. All the evils in the world is Calvinist thought. We, we did a we did a um, for a while. We were doing an online Bible study through Ephesians, and Leighton jumped in. And Leighton's sitting there and just makes the whole thing about Calvinism. And it's just like he and I and one of the other guys is going back and forth, back and forth. Eventually I just said, wait, Leighton, do you disagree with all of us that, with this passage? I forget. Mm-hmm. I think it was like, I forget which passage. But he came to the same exact conclusion. I'm like, so why did you come in here and talk about all this stuff that's not in the text? Right, right, right. You know? right. But, and that's where I think he gets blinded by it. Once you build that platform... Right, right. It, it blinds you where you see everything has got to be just. Yeah, this and there's thing, a lot of guys will do that with um, eschatology stuff. Yeah, and oh, their whole yeah. and, and everything is eschatology. That's their whole emphasis, and it shouldn't be your whole emphasis. I mean, that's you should have a well-rounded. And I guess you could. I mean, Calvinists can be the same way with that too. Well, that's I mean, where the you, stage cage. Yeah, is, right? so, I mean, I know a lot of stage cage guys like that, and there's a fellow online on Facebook that I kind of follow he's right now a stage cage anti-dispensationalist and everything is anti-dispensationalist yeah. <laughs> like, and, and yet, okay you know what? whatever <laughs> most of those guys don't even define dispensationalism right anyway i know well it's they'll like, say well i'm reading this book by this guy and i'm like well okay well there's a number of 
individuals who've written on this topic, they've written well on this topic, and they've explained it well. They're all solid guys. I had someone Don't just who run made a statement. Kooky uh, guy, you know, that you want a, to come after. A guy on Facebook was like, well, dispensationalism is fraught with errors and always leads you astray or something like that. And, and someone tagged me to bring me into it, and I'm just like, and yeah. I knew the person. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, this, this I really you know, I'm not interested. The, the reality <laughs> is, and I forget exactly how he worded it, but it's like, you know, that applies to covenant theology, too. Yes, I do it, same it's thing. It's like, there's errors there, too. You know, it's there. every system's going to have problems. And, you know, because we're men, not God. Yeah, we and we're on this side of glory. And we don't have a full, complete knowledge and, of that. And the thing that got me was, it's like, look... When you have all these people telling you that you're misrepresenting what dispensationalism is, you should listen. He goes, nope, I grew up this, so I know. And I was like, man, it, it sounds like Leighton. You know, yeah, like, everyone tells Leighton, you're, you're misrepresenting it, but I grew up this, so I know. And it's like... Well, uh, if you grew up that way... <laughs> I grew up a lot of different ways, too, and there's, I didn't know a lot of things. You know, I thought I knew it, but I didn't. Yeah. And so, you know, try you want to try to always represent and be honest and I think, and I've always, that's one of the things, and I, you know, going back to John, it's just his, I've appreciated that he has stuck with the scriptures. He's tried to build his, you know, his various um, points of contention with people from the text. He wants that to be the focal point. Okay, what does the Bible say? And I think when I went to seminary, and, and I even instill this into my kids, and they ask questions, and I'm like, well, what does the text say? You know, what is it telling us there? We look at it, and it's like, it just, you know, plainly means this. And John has been just faithful and really emphasizing that and, and hammering that in and allowing that to be his authority and not all of our various opinions that we've cooked up <laughs> over the years <laughs> kind of yeah. come with that, you know. Well, th- thanks for coming on. We got Shepherd's Conference coming. It's going to be a that's going to be extended one. Yes, it's supposed to be four days. Four days, and on faithfulness with his fiftieth year. So I'm yes, looking forward yeah, to I'm that. looking forward to it too. Uh, yeah. The Shepherd conferences are always a great time. G three is a great time too because it's uh, Shepherd's Conference doesn't have the vendors coming in like they do here, but um, it's good to see folks coming in. That's you know men that you've been faithful to pastor churches and teach over the years and yes. fellowship and have in and out burgers and <laughs> stuff that they bring in for us anyhow well hey thanks for coming oh, on oh it was a it was a delight yeah all right good to see you again all righty i'll see you in uh, shepherd's conference okay all right <laughs> all right well i'm glad to that you got to hear those two interviews from g3 I'll let you know that next week we will be having Todd Friel coming on. We're going to be talking about discernment. That is a great, great episode. You will really get a lot out of that. He provides some great kind of rules or principles. When should we name names and when should we not? Let me give a shout out. We got a review that came in, a five-star review from C. Johns 777 He says, Andrew does a great job of taking time and viewing many different sides of a story as well as thoroughly explaining his beliefs. We appreciate that. If you want us to read your review, well, you'd have to actually write the review. encourage you to go to iTunes and leave us a review so that we could read it. We get to be encouraged by how this ministry, this podcast may be helping you. We really don't know unless we see you at a conference and when people come up and say, I listen to your podcast 
that is greatly encouraging to me personally because a lot of times this is a lot of work and I don't always want to do it. Those reviews, just reading through them, that is what helps me stay motivated to keep trying to teach and train folks here through this means. And it is something that we do as a ministry of striving for eternity. We're part of this podcast is part of the Christian podcast community where you can find a whole bunch of great podcasts out there, podcasts that are being put on or put or, or done by men like Justin Peters, Theology Gals is out there, Apologetics Live, which is Matt Slick from Karm.org and myself. And if you haven't heard you could find out that we actually did a podcast awards. The Christian Podcast Community had their Christian Podcast Awards for 2018, and that's something that uh, you can you could just look if you are subscribed to the Christian Podcast Community podcast. On that feed is where we drop. We're going to drop that each year. There's going to be different awards. Uh, in the future, where we got some plans to give some awards to folks, so be checking that out and let us know if there's some podcasts you like that you want to, us to consider. So you can always contact us at email or sorry info. You can email us at info at strivingforeternity.org. Info at strivingforeternity.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Until next week, remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.